is, I know it's cold outside, uh, but are you ready for an on-fire word today? <laughs> All right. Open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18, and we're going to read verses 41 through 46. We're going to stay mostly in this story today. If you want to put a little placeholder in James chapter 5, we're going to go there a time or two throughout this, but this is mostly where we'll camp. So verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. And then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And so he said, go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. And then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, girded up his loins, and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask you, uh, as the song so well put it this morning, speak to us, God. We want to hear from you. We want our path to be illuminated, and we know that your word is a light to our path, God. Speak to us. We want to hear from you. We want you to guide us. We want you to set us on fire, Lord. You are a God who is on fire, and your word is on fire, Lord. And when it gets in us, we know that it's like a fire in our bones that cannot be shut down, Lord. It has to get out. And we ask that you would set each and every one of us on fire, aflame with your purpose, your destiny, your promises for us in our lives. Lord, in a way where we are emboldened and strengthened, that we cannot be stopped in the forward advancement and progress of building your kingdom and taking territory from our enemy, God, and advancing your glory and honor throughout our land, that each and every one of us would be actively involved in being a part of that here and now in this generation today that we are living in. We are crying out for you, God. We're desperate for you. We need you. It becomes more apparent as the days progress there is no hope to be found in man, no hope to be found in politics, no hope to be found in the laws of the land. God, we need an outpouring of your spirit, and we need you to move and bring revival, that more will know and see and hear the name of Jesus declared. We'll come into relationship with you, Jesus, we'll know you, 
be changed and transformed. We're not talking about little adjustments or minor calculations. We're talking about overhaul and transformation. God, and you're the only one that can do that. And so we cry out to you today here in our local church and in the local churches and places of faith in our region. Let it begin here, God. Let it start here in the houses of faith and worship where you're welcomed and permitted and invited. God, let there be a rising tide of your presence that sweeps across our land. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Whoo, man. Hallelujah. Well, I love this story, always have. Um, you know, Elijah is a prophet, a man of God, and he was given a pretty difficult assignment. Um, to much who's given, much is required, right? God typically chooses those he knows he can trust for the hardest assignments. And so if you look on what you're going through right now and think, man, this is really hard, Lord, this is a really tough one. Uh, consider it a compliment, <laughs> right? God puts those that he knows he can trust in some of his hardest assignments. And so Elijah uh, is a prophet during the reign of King Ahab, another wicked king. We've talked about wicked kings, good kings and wicked kings, many wicked ones over the last number of weeks here. And uh, Ahab was certainly one of those caught up in apostasy, idolatry, um, many, many things is wife Jezebel also had a, a terrible spirit on her that brought deception in many, many cases. And so Elijah is a prophet during this time. And Elijah goes to the king and he says, there's, there's going to be a drought. The Lord's declaring a drought over the land. So it's not going to rain. And it doesn't do that for approximately three years. And uh, so Elijah's kind of to blame for this thing, according to Ahab, but really the reason for the drought, for God to declare the drought, is because of the wickedness of the rulers in the land. God's bringing judgment upon that. And we have to peer into the idea of rain and drought for a minute to really break out this story well, because there's a lot of prophetic meaning in that. Um, whenever rain comes, it can mean purification, all right? We know that from the time of Noah and in the flood. Praise God, he made a covenant with Noah, said, I'll never flood the earth again, so that, that will never happen. But rain also means blessing. When it rains down from heaven, it can be the blessings and favor of God over the people. Uh, it leads to fertility and fruitfulness. Think about whenever there's good, steady rain. The ground is saturated, the crops are healthy, they thrive, they grow, they become all that they can be. Amen? Uh, rain also means the Holy Spirit. It also means the Holy Spirit. Whenever it's raining, water in general is symbolic to the presence and the flow of the Holy Spirit over a land or in someone's life. And I want you to think about that with me today. Because this land for three years has been dry and barren. So the need for rain is desperate. Things are dying. People are dying. Okay? You with me? And so it's, we're not talking about a few days without water and a little bit of parched ground. And then a you know, five-minute rain can just fix all of that. 
We're talking about dry, desolate ground that needs a downpour for a steady period of time. And so what I want to say to us today is in terms of our nation, in terms of our land, we need rain. (laughs) We need a downpour. Frankly, I know that things are great and happening in our church. I, I mean, I mean that with all my heart. But by and large, in our land, it feels pretty dry. Would you agree with me? Parched and barren. We, we don't need just a little sprinkling, a little morning mist. I mean, I think we need an absolute downpour of rain. Think about if you've ever had a garden... When you go out there and it's been several days without water and it's, you know, the garden's kind of starting to grow up, the plants looked really healthy at one time, and now all of a sudden, no rain for a few days. You ever notice this? Like, the plants, they just look like they're, they're kind of leaning over, they're shrinking up, they just don't look very healthy, right? You look at them and you think, they're not going to make it much longer, But then when the rain comes or you water it with the sprinkler, you see something changes, doesn't it? Do you ever notice those plants like immediately, it's like they stand straight up, they spread out. I I think the color even changes. It's like they, they pop a little bit. They're even more vibrant than they were before that. The response to things that are created when they receive the rain that they are designed and created to soak up and be nourished with is absolutely astonishing. And we as God's people are no different. Whenever there's dryness in a land, things begin to lean over. Things begin to become unhealthy. Things begin to get dry. And there is a desperate need for an outpouring of rain And as you look back through time and study history, when there's been revival, when there's been outpourings of God's Spirit, guess what? Things in the land begin to stand straight up, open up, and begin to be fruitful and healthy in all that they do. And so the title of my message today is, Are You Ready for Rain? Oh, now, hold on now, hold on. Because it's a question, right? The title today is in the question form. So I'm asking you, are you ready for rain? Okay, good, good. Because I think some would say yes, but I think what we're going to look at and learn in this story today, what precedes rain? What precedes downpour? And are we prepared to do what's needed to have rain? (laughs) That's really where I feel the question is. Because the call is always to God's people first. It's always to God's people first that we would rise up and that we would contend and then that would begin to sweep through the land. I I think one of my concerns today would be that the church really need the church overall really needs to be awoken and uh, uh, revived to really see the place that we have so that we can prepare and lead the way for what we really desperately do want to see uh, but we have a part in this now god's not asking us to bring the rain 
He knows we can't do that. We can't make it rain. But God is, as we'll see from Elijah's example, I think God is asking something from his people. It's dry, barren, it's parched, and we need a downpour, God. Help us to see. Help us to know what is it that you want us to do. So I want you to look at a few things here about Elijah's behavior in the story, things that take place. And I want you to think about our part, our role as believers, united, knitted together in the body of Christ as we prepare for this rain that we want to see. So the first one is Elijah hears a sound. Elijah hears a sound. You remember that in those verses that we opened up with? He says, I hear the sound of rain. This is amazing. Because there's not a, there's not a cloud in the sky. You have to pick up these details in the story, right? There's not a cloud in the sky. And he says, I hear the sound of rain. Now, I'm not sure, but I don't think Elijah opened up his iPhone and clicked on the weather app and saw, it's, there's no clouds in the sky right now, but in two hours, they're predicting rain, baby. So I, I'm going to say this. I hear the sound of rain, as if those are actually accurate anyway, right? I mean, there's no weather forecast going on, and there's no cloud in the sky. So there cannot be thunder. There cannot be rumbling in the natural suggesting that it's about to rain. Yet he hears something. He hears something. He says, I hear the sound of rain. The word of God had come to Elijah and said, I'm going to bring the rain. It's time. So the word of God was released. Something was spoken, and the man of God received it, believed it, and now he's actually standing on a sure thing, a promise. When God's word speaks and declares something to us, like, I don't know, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, it becomes a promise, a guarantee in our heart that the, Jeremiah says, the Lord watches over his word to ensure that he will perform it. That's what's happening. Elijah's already heard the word from God, rain's coming. But there's no cloud in the sky. There's no thunder and lightning right now. But there's a rumbling somewhere. Where is the rumbling coming from? Can I suggest to you that it's actually coming from the upper heavens, not the lower heavens in this particular situation? Elijah is so in tune that he hears and he discerns a sound. But it's not even in the lower heavens, Dan, in the sky. It's in the upper heavens that something is shifting and moving because God's about ready to do something. And he's so in tune with God that he's already hearing it in the spirit. And he's declaring it and he's doing something about it right there. Jesus gives us indications to this kind of thing. He says, look, if you have ears to hear, let you hear. He's not talking about just listening to the words. He's saying hearing something beyond the words down in your spirit. He says you need to be able to see, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. It wasn't harvest time when he said that. He was talking about all the souls that needed to be saved. He said see beyond the natural and see something in the spirit that's actually there. 
The Bible gives us a definition of faith in Hebrews. It says it's the substance of things hoped for, what the evidence of things unseen. There's an evidence in Elijah of something nobody else can see right now in the natural. Are you hearing? Are you seeing something that nobody else is hearing or seeing, that the world cannot hear or see? It's not in the natural sky but it's in the upper heavens that things are shifting and moving. Promises that God has for his people and for his church and to save souls who will perish. We hear those things. Elijah's tapped into that and he has this faith. There's a boldness as well. I want to draw your attention to that. There's a boldness. He says to Ahab, go up and have a feast. Now you have to appreciate how significant this is. Ahab already hates Elijah. He wants to kill him. He brought the drought as far as he's concerned. And so Elijah says, no, go up and have a feast. So when you're in famine, you don't feast, right? I mean, you're you're sparing and all that. He says, no, go up and just eat to your heart's content. Now, if he's wrong and he goes up and feasts and nothing happens, guess what? He's a dead man. So you have to appreciate the boldness that's going on in Elijah. Folks, we need a boldness in the church today, a boldness in the way that we operate and declare and contend for the things of God and the promises of God to still come to pass for his people. We know that it hasn't happened yet, but he's already maneuvering, you see that, as if he's ready for it to take place. I think that's a word to us in the church, maneuvering as if we know that this whole thing's about to change. This whole landscape's about to shift because when God brings rain, baby, everything is actually going to change. Everything's going to get wet. Elijah hears a sound. Number two, Elijah prays seven times. Another very important point in this story. We want rain, right? He prays seven times. Seven, if you don't know this, that number represents seeing something through to completion. It's complete. It's fulfilled. Seven days in a week, right? And then starts, it's fulfilled. Seven is completion. So he goes up and he prays seven times when he's up on this mountain and he sends his servant each time after he is in a deep place of prayer to go and look at the sky. Notice he doesn't even come up to look himself. He's, and we're going to come to that in a minute. But he sends a servant. He looks in the sky and he, he says, I see nothing. Nothing. Nothing's there. Yet he continues to pray and he persists seven times praying through to completion. I love this. Because he knows something's happening, he knows something's getting ready to happen, but he doesn't just sit back. Oh, it's coming. Just everybody get ready, you know, get a good seat. He actually takes up a a responsibility in this thing. Do you notice this? He goes up and he begins to pray. He does it seven times, which means he ain't stopping until he comes. Seeing it through to completion persistently, not moving. The thing has not fully manifested yet. 
Now, I think we can probably all relate to this kind of deal, right? You've got a promise. You've got something you're contending for. You know it's coming, but it has not fully manifested itself in your life and in reality. So what's the posture? What's the mode? Well, it's right here, really. It's persistence in prayer. I ain't moving. I know it's coming, but I ain't moving until it happens. And I think sometimes what, what we want to do, and I'm throwing myself in there because I've been there, what we want to do is we want to go up and we want to pray one time, and then we want to come down the mountain and get on with our busy lives until the rain comes. The Word does not really give us place for that kind of thing, especially when we need a downpour, whenever there's a drought. It says, no, he's, he's staying until it happens. He isn't moving until something shifts. And he hears this word from his servant. Guys, come on, you gotta, you got to love Elijah here. The servant six times comes back. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. Yet he is not discouraged or dismayed or dissuaded. Wow. He's not holding his head in defeat. Oh, I guess I was wrong. It's not going to happen. Forget about it. We're going to die. I mean, I think if anything, he probably presses in even harder. He says, there's nothing, there's nothing. How many times have you heard a report as you're in prayer, as you're contending for a promise, something, the doctor or the, the financial report or whatever it might be, it comes and says, there is nothing happening, nothing. And you have to say, I know it's coming, and I'm not moving until it does. I'm going to persist until it does. I, you know, I've shared before, Katie and I, when we started have, playing our, uh, having a family and having kids, we wanted a big family, felt the Lord told us we we're going to have a big family. It was hard for us in the very beginning to actually get pregnant. And so, you know, that report, there's nothing came by way of many pregnancy tests for us. Nothing, there's nothing, not pregnant, not pregnant. And it hurt. I'm not going to lie. I mean, there is pain. There is difficulty. But we never abandoned that promise that we believed that God gave us. And we just continued to pray and continued to stay fervent in the way we did. And, well, you know the rest of the story now. <laughs> I mean, we prayed really hard the first two times. Uh, and then they just kept coming after that. I don't even know if we prayed the other couple of times. It just showed up. It's like we prayed so effectively in the beginning that they just kept on coming. I mean, it's not exactly like we stopped trying either, so I don't know, you know, it's just whatever. <laughs> but I, I'm trying to say something to us here today at church. I'm saying something to myself. Um, when the need is great, our prayer life cannot be idle. It cannot be casual. It cannot be go up the mountain one time and then come back down. Does that make sense? It's got to be like, oh, we're pressing in. We need it in our land today. We, we need rain so bad in this nation. But do the people of God look like the posture of Elijah? Or are we hanging our head and coming down the mountain after one one prayer session 
Are we saying, God, it's maybe not all here yet, but I know it's coming and I'm not moving until you shift this thing. Let me, let me say it another way. When these, th- when these times are the way that they are, and the prayer of the saints is so significant, this is going to take this one in a minute, it's probably going to need to disrupt your life a little. I'm probably going to have to disrupt my life a little bit so that I can actually begin to pray and cry out like this. The things I think about and the things that I give attention to during the day, they're going to need to shift, and I'm going to need to carry this burden and pray this thing through like something's got to happen, and I'm not moving until it does. Amen? i got to tell you, and I'm just going to bring a sidebar along here with this message today. But we, we got a major thing happening here in the state of Illinois on Tuesday. Many of you parents are probably aware of this, but they're getting ready to vote on a new curriculum that's going to be forced into our school systems if it goes through. And it's, it's not good. At the surface, it looks like they're, they're trying to do a good thing. But when you look at it, I, I don't, I'm not going to unpack the whole thing today. You can do the research. Let me just say one thing that's in there. There has to be a, a, a full-scale acceptance of gender neutrality. And teachers have to relate in a gender neutral way, and they have, they're actually going to be forced to organize activist outings for causes around this particular thing. Okay? It's full scale indoctrination. Now, I don't know, I'm going to just give you a personal thought here. You know, they remove God from our schools, right? Hold all of this stuff out. They're trying to bring this new curriculum in. And then begin to indoctrinate the whole thing. I would not be surprised at all if they try to reintroduce God later on, but in a different kind of way. There is a Bible out now called the Queen James Bible. I'm serious. Look it up. It's disturbing. It's disturbing. Have replaced many things. Have just said, well, you know, there's no uh, thing around homosexuality in the Bible. That's all misinterpretation and all this other kind of stuff. Remember what we talked about, if anybody comes to you with a different gospel, lest you beware, because they be accursed, even if it's an angel. I'm just saying, right? And, and so the point of me bringing that up to you, one, be aware, especially if your parent be praying on Tuesday. But I mean, please, like there's got to be a burden kind of prayer going on in our churches and in the people of God right now. Would you agree with me on that? Listen to James chapter five, verse, this is where we're going to go and I'm going to come back and forth here, but I just want to go to verse 7, no, no, uh, 16, verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now listen to this. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. Availeth much. What does that mean? So, fervent and effective prayer, and then avails much. Let's look at those two things. Fervent and effective means that it increases and intensifies to combat and meet the challenge or opposition. So, as the problems escalate, prayer and fervency in the behavior of God's people has to escalate even more. 
it rises to meet the challenge. I'm saying to us, folks, there are times in our lives where there's a burden that has to just affect everything that we do, especially when it pertains to our land and our nation. There are seasons in our lives that may feel like droughts that there's going to have to be a different kind of approach of prayer in order to see breakthrough. I mean, Jesus himself even said about certain demons to the disciples. Do you remember? He said, because they're like, we can't, this isn't working. He said, some only come out through prayer and fasting. You know what I think that that means? That some only come out through prayer and fasting. (laughs) That's what I think it means. Right? I'm serious. Like, it's certain things, you're, you're, gonna ha- you're not going to just say a short little prayer and move on with your busy life and get on with the things of the day and the pleasures of the day and then hope things change over here. Your heart's got to be ripped and torn. You've got to be burdened with the things that God is burdened for so that we pray this way. Does it ov- the, that kind of prayer avails or overcomes everything and anything. Is what that means. It means it gets into the fray. It's not afraid to jump in and get right where the problems of our day are and begin to attack them first through a mode of prayer and belief and faith from the people of God. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Let me say something. I'm going to make a statement. A lukewarm church is more dangerous than an apostate nation. Think about that. Because if the nation is apostate, turned away from God, but the church is still on fire, the nation can come back around. But if the church is lukewarm, the nation's going under not a day to be lukewarm. It's not a day to be indifferent. It's not a day to walk around and feel like we don't have to get involved in these things. It's not time for that. It's time for the God's people to be his people and rise and increase to meet the challenge that are coming our way. Hallelujah. And the last part in this point right here, seven times persist doesn't move. You notice the sixth time? What happens? The servant says to Elijah, he says, oh, I see something. It's a little bitty cloud, little bitty way back there, the size of a man's hand. Now, I don't know about you, but in the natural, it doesn't feel like rain. Oh, it's going to storm. Everybody get the umbrellas out. There's a little bitty cloud like 100 miles away, right? But that's kind of what Elijah does. He says, all right, that's it. That's the sign we've been waiting for. There's a cloud in the sky the size of a man's hand. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah, sure. That's it. Let's go. Let's move. It's time now. It's happening. It's like you're struggling to figure out how you're going to pay your mortgage and you find a quarter on the ground. Hallelujah, God's here. He's going to deliver me from this thing. But he's moving in a way. I, I'm just trying to show you something's happening here, that he sees, that he is responding to, that's not relevant in the natural. It's only happening in the spirit realm. 
And we've got to be discerning and in tune to these kind of things and what God's up to in our day so that we're carrying these types of things in an on-fire, burden type of prayer life and faith life. And we're saying, man, we have a place in this. We are the church, God's people, and we're going to bring these things to pass because they're the will of God. He's going to make it happen, but we're not moving until he does. We're going to keep persisting in this thing. Hallelujah. And the last thing is, I want to draw your attention to, and actually, I've read this story so many times, <clears throat> but this last point actually kind of like stood out to me when I recently looked at it differently than it has before. You ever have that happen where you read something, you've read it a bunch of times, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I didn't notice that quite that way before, right? That's the word of God. It's multifaceted. <clears throat> and so... When I was reading it, I noticed here that I've read before, but it says that Elijah bowed down, and he bowed his face to the ground in between his knees. Now, you don't see that very much in Scripture. That was what kind of immediately grabbed me. I've read so much of the Word that it's like things stand out now, right? When you, I haven't seen that very much before. What does that mean? He bowed down with his face all the way to the ground. Now, I want to try to do a little bit of a demonstration. Bella, can you come up here? Are you flexible? Who's, no. I need a flexible rubber. She's like, no, I'm not. Don't point at me. Oh, man. Abby, can you come up here? You're pretty flexible, right? All right, Abby. All right, give it up for Abby. Abby, girl. All right, come here. All right. Stand right here for just a second. All right, so there are different postures for prayer, different postures for praise and worship. When you study the Bible, you see that, right? So, for example, let's praise and pray with hands raised. Just kind of demonstrate that. That's easy, right? Oh, no, yeah, get them all. All right. So this kind of a posture is, is praise in prayer, absolutely. But there's a, there's a celebration that that suggests. There's victory, there's celebration, there's joy, right? And that's what that means. But he's on his knees, and his head is between his knees. Now, can you get down on your knees there? All right, and I want you to put your hands down on the ground, and then can you actually put your head between your knees and touch the ground? Can you do that? Because I couldn't do that. I tried it the other day. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I couldn't do it. I'm not sure what that means, but no, one more time, sorry, just for just a second. All right. So just stay there for just a second. Now, I love Abby. Thank you so much for doing this because I want you to see something. I want you to see something, and this is actually really powerful. Every part of her is on the ground. Her face, her hands, her knees, and her feet. She's fully prostrate prostrate before the Lord. This is a sign of deep, deep humility and deep burden. You get that. Thank you, Abby. You can go over to your chair. Thank you, Abby. And as I think we can all agree, that's not easy to do. That's not easy. And it's probably even harder to stay there. 
It'd be like, I wouldn't be able to move for two weeks. I'm not so sure that the point is that we have to, like, physically be fully able to do what Abby just did. But I do think there's value in that. Let me just say that. Uh, But I think that our hearts absolutely need to be there. There's an absolute humility. So I want to bring you back to something I showed you in the first two points, the boldness, right? There's a boldness. But there's also a deep humility. And it's one of those things, if you don't really see how Scripture lays it out, it's hard to put it all together. But we are both incredibly bold and confident in the Word of God and the promises of God at one time, yet simultaneously we are incredibly humble and low and before God on our face, desperate for Him in order for those things to happen. Hebrews says you need to come boldly to the throne of grace, that you may obtain grace and mercy in your time of need. So there's a storming heaven kind of call that God puts on us. Come, get it. Come, expect it, and boldly come before me and petition me. But when you do, this is not a casual thing. You're not playing around with something here. I need you to be on your face. I need you to understand who you are and who I am and my part and your part in this thing so that we can partner together to see the rain come. Elijah's on his face, and he's on his knees, and he's got his hands to the ground, and he's crying out to God. He doesn't even go up himself to look at the sky. He says, I got my part right here. This is my part. This is my place. And I, well, maybe I can't do that. (laughs) This is my place. And I'm not going to get confused or forget what my part in my place is. The people of God, the church today, where we're at, there's got to be a boldness. There's got to be a ripping and a tearing in our heart. And there's got to be going after, like our lives are shifting and adjusting. No, it's time to pray. I, I, I got to carry this thing for my nation. I got to carry this thing for my church. I got to carry this thing for my family, for my community. I, I, I got to be involved in this. I'm going to shift things around to make it happen. Bold and going after, yet this humility, this humble nature about us always, it says we are as low as we can be in the sense that our knees and hands and face are on the ground because we are dependent upon a holy God to make any of this happen. That's the heart of God's people. And I just want to encourage you that when God's people are in a place like that and they stay in a place like that, rain always comes. (laughs) It's always came. It's always poured. It's always changed the drought. It's always saturated the ground. It's always revived everything that was in the land that was dry and barren before that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And listen to what the rest of James chapter 5 says. Okay, I'm going to reread 16, but I'm going to go back to 13 and read the verses before and around that. So Because this is going to blow you away. This is actually going to blow you away. These tie together, these verses, with the story we're reading today. Verse 13. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick 
and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sin, he'll be forgiven. Wow, those are some pretty relevant things. Would you agree? The church needs to be dealing with things like that. Would you agree? And so then it goes into confess your trespass to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Okay, stop right there. So he says, these are the things that, that I want to see happening in the church. We agree. These need to be dealt with today. Sick people heal. Barren things made alive again. All these types of things. He says, okay, you, that needs to be happening. That's actually supposed to be happening in the church in any dispensation of time. And here's the key. Pray this way. This is how you need to be praying. This is how you need to be acting. This is where you need to be. You're not so busy and caught up in your life that you got a little bitty placeholder for church and prayer and faith and then expect all these amazing, massive things to be happening. We want the rain. We want the downpour. But many times, we're not prepared to be up on the mountain praying until the completion of the thing happens before it comes to pass. He says, well, that's where you're going to have to be. And if you do, listen to this, verse 17 he compares this exactly to the story we read. Elijah was a man with the nature just like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And then it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Wow. Here's what he's trying to say. You like that story of Elijah? You like that miracle? You like that downpour? Guess what? He was a man just like you, like you and me. And he prayed that way, and guess what? Look what happened. He's trying to say, you got to do the same thing. You can do the same thing. And if you will, you can expect the same kind of result. I, I love the connection to this with Elijah and God's outpouring of his spirit. Think about it. Elijah goes up a mountain. The disciples were told by Jesus to go up on Mount Zion and wait and pray. Remember that? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It says that Elijah prayed until the rain came, and the disciples, after Jesus left until Pentecost, stayed and prayed until the Holy Spirit fell. In Elijah's day, a rain and a downpour came, and in the apostles' day, the Holy Spirit fell like rain and fire. In Elijah's day, the land was revived, and in the apostles' day, the people were revived. We need this in our church. We need this in our land. We need the people of God to be crying out desperate for what's happening right now with a boldness and a humility to our nature in the way that we pray. And I believe that we are going to see rain. I really do. In fact, I think, if I could say it this way, what's happening around us, I already hear the sound of rain. It's already rumbling. Rumbling in these young people. Rumbling in our youth on Wednesday nights in both campuses. It's rumbling at the folks who are coming in and lives are being touched, changed. I feel like it's already happening. But young people, I want you to know, it's not just about us praying and us reaching you. It's about you guys being a part of this too. It's about you guys 
being warriors with us on the front lines, on our faces together, praying and contending for this generation. And I'll close with that. That is time for the church to rise up. It's time. And I think that God is ready to bring the rain, but we can't casually sit back. Would you agree? We can't casually sit back and think, well, you know, hope it happens. Got a lot going on in my life, you know, and I, when it changes, it's going to be great. When the rain comes, somebody let me know. And I'll be there whenever I hear about it. Once it starts, make sure I hear about it so I can quit being busy and then I'll, I'll come and enjoy the rain. I think our hearts got to be ripped a lot more than that. <laughs> I think we got to look around and say, it's dry. It's hurting around here. I got to pray. I got to get on my face. I got to I got to I got to be desperate for God to do something. And I believe that I'm starting to hear something. I I I'm I'm starting to see something. Maybe the world doesn't see, maybe the natural don't doesn't see. I I I hear something in the upper heavens. <laughs> It's shifting. I, I, I see something. It looks minimal, but I, I, there's something in it. There's something in that that's going to grow and, and continue to multiply. And that something bigger is coming out of that thing. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So let me say today, as I close, I'm going to invite our prayer team to go ahead and come down now. Let me say this today. If you are in a place, things going on, and you are hearing... Uh, this report, whatever it is coming from, its source, and it, the report is like, um, I see nothing. There's nothing there. There's nothing here. And you feel like that's what you've been hearing. I just, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to see something different, to contend for something different, to be ready get engaged and to pray fervently and to know that kind of prayer, it'll overcome anything. It'll overcome anything. And be ready to see it through. Amen.